From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. And yeah, James O'Neill was just talking about that Corey Bush story. I just happened upon that. And it turns out, allegedly, this chick spent $750,000 on security as she's trying to defund the police, which I'm not opposed to that necessarily, but $750,000 on security. And it turns out she hired her boyfriend. I mean, girl, that's just messy. Okay, so uh, I'm going to dig into that story a little bit. I might have something a little bit more in detail tomorrow. I just happened to be uh, reading about that. And then James talked about it. And I was like, holy cow, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Okay, uh, what I do want to talk to you about today, though, is uh, Roger Waters. Because once again, our pal Roger Waters is um, under fire. So turns out, and by the way, there are <laughs> there are several. So just to uh, give you a brief uh, overview of what's going on here, uh, being MG, which was his uh, label, has dropped him um, because he's an anti-Semite, which is absurd. It's absurd that he's anti-Semitic, but that's what they're claiming. Um, and so he's been dropped from his label. Um, but it, there are numerous stories written about this. They're all not all. Most of them are awful. The one from The Guardian, which if you know me, you know, I despise The Guardian. They are a horrific uh I don't even, you can't even call them a news organization. They're horrific. Um, but that one is the bias. It is oozing with bias and propaganda. It is almost, it's painful to read it. Um, so just be mindful of that. If you go to uh, check this story out, the, just be mindful of the uh, insane bias that is happening in those stories and the narrative management that's happening in those stories. Um, uh, but as my friend Scott Horton said, um, <laughs> he said, he tweeted out, uh, oh, nope, that's the wrong one. Oh, no, did I miss it? Oh, no, here we go. Nobody hates free speech more than Israel and their foreign agents. Pink Floyd's Roger Waters dropped by music publisher BMG over Israel comments. So I'm going to read to you here from Sputnik because uh, they did a pretty decent job of explaining the situation um, in a real way. So they say German music giant BMG dropping rock legend Ro Roger Waters over defiant Israel-Ukraine stance. The 80-year-old rocker and Pink Floyd co-founder is reportedly getting his 2016 publishing deal with Bertelsmann Music Group, BMG, revoked over his non-mainstream approved stance on the ongoing crises in Ukraine and Israel. Sources told Entertainment Magazine Variety that BMG is getting ready to quote-unquote separate entirely from Roger Waters, a step that's highly unusual in the music business where publishing deals are generally, generally allowed to expire without renewal instead of being axed. Waters mentioned being quote-unquote fired by BMG, BMG in an interview with independent journalist Glenn Greenwald in November, citing pressure from the pro-Israeli Anti-Defamation League nonprofit over his position on the war in Gaza, Waters has been a consistent and outspoken critic of U.S. imperialism and ruffled feathers in Western capitals last February after telling the U.N. Security Council last year that Russia's military operation in Ukraine was quote-unquote not unprovoked, end quote. So he told the truth. Um, after the October 7th escalation of the Palestinian-Israeli crisis, Waters accused Israel of quote-unquote committing genocide, again truth, uh, and said that quote, its leaders and any Western leaders who support it should be prosecuted under the Genocide Convention, end quote. The Rocker's comments has sparked claims of quote-unquote anti-Semitism by detractors, allegations which Waters himself has fiercely denied as an attempt to smear him, which, yeah, it could not be more obvious that that's what this is. And we've talked about that numerous times on the show, the way that uh, claims of anti-Semitism have long been used to run cover for Israel. And they hide behind that um, uh, for 
fervently. They That's their favorite line of defense is that if you dare to criticize the state of Israel, suddenly you hate all Jewish people, which is so unbelievably ridiculous and frankly offensive that I can't even wrap my head around it. There are plenty of millions of Jewish people around the world who are against Zionism. Zionism is a political ideology. Uh, Judaism is a thousands-year-old religion. The two are not the same, and conflating them is, in fact, anti-Semitic. So um, as I just said that Roger Waters has... Um, denied claims of anti-Semitism. He did so. Actually, I mentioned Scott Horton. Uh, he also tweeted that he explained himself to me about it about a month ago uh, on his show, calling it nonsense. Uh, and the quote was, quote, there's only one person in the world who actually knows whether Wa Roger Waters is an anti-Semite or not. And that's Roger Waters, uh, because I live in this body. This is my heart. That This is my brain. I know the thoughts that I have and what I have. You couldn't find anybody less against the Jews if that's what anti-Semitism means, end quote. So yeah, he's been very, he's been incredibly uh, consistent. Frankly, probably the single most consistent celebrity on these, on any issue that I've ever seen. I mean, this guy has been walking the same walk and talking the same talk literally forever. So he has never been shy about where he stands. His position has never changed. He's never faltered, despite constantly being up against it and people trying to attack him and smear him and all of that stuff. He still refuses to waver. So I have a great deal of respect for that. I like when people can um, hold to their principles and not allow um, outside influence or pressure uh, to get them to cave. And so kudos to Roger Waters. I frankly stand with him on this issue. He's not anti-Semitic. That's absurd. Speaking against Zionism does not make one anti-Semitic. That is uh, a ridiculous notion. So um, uh, I'll keep an eye on that, though. I'll see if there's any further developments or if Roger Waters uh, puts out a, another statement or anything like that. Um, I would imagine he's probably not. I mean, what does he care, right? He's Roger Waters. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack. It's mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day with links uh, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live, guest idea, show idea, rant, question, whatever. Um, and also, if you are enjoying listening to TNT Radio and you think we're doing a good job, we would love for you to let us know uh, so you can leave a like or a positive review view or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter. Obviously, you can do the like um, on YouTube or the thumbs up on YouTube and all, all whatever you can do on whatever platform you're on, do it for us. Uh, and you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, one year, one year. <laughs> Yes, one year after a Norfolk Southern freight train carrying hazardous chemicals derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, President Joe Biden will finally make his first visit to the Eastern Ohio Village. So here at the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. He just got lost, right, Ruckus? I mean, East Palestine's hard to find. Well, uh, we'll get to it, but he was busy doing something else instead of visiting. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. I actually, re I think I, I, re I remember reporting this story when it happened almost a year ago, uh, right here on TNT. Uh, and I know you and I have talked about it. So, um, yeah, according to at least an official statement from the White House, uh, who knows who made the decision for him, uh, but the White House made the official announcement for him at least. But they say, according to the statement, that President Biden plans to meet sometime we don't know, in February, <laughs> with residents affected by the fiery crash and spill of toxic chemicals to, quote, assess the progress that his administration has helped deliver in coordination with state and local leaders to protect the community 
and hold Norfolk Southern accountable, end quote. Uh-huh. I could probably save them the trip. Anyway, uh, until the derailment, most Americans had never heard of East Palestine, a village that's about a mile from the Pennsylvania border. And of course, life abruptly changed for residents there on February 3rd, 2023. At around 9 p.m., a Norfolk Southern Railway freight train carrying 151 cars derailed in the community of 4,761 people. Hazardous chemicals in several of the rail cars, including the lovely one, vinyl chloride, spilled out onto the ground and into the air. Concern escalated in the immediate aftermath of the wreck, seeking to avoid an explosion that officials claimed would could possibly send shrapnel flying vinyl chloride was intentionally released and burned on february 6th and that's what unleashed the now viral massive cloud of black smoke that could be seen for miles of vinyl chloride which is used to make pvc pipes and other products is a chemical that has been linked by the national cancer institute to cancers of the brain lungs blood lymphatic system and liver i.e really nasty stuff the burn triggered questions about the potential health effects on the residents of the village, of course. Uh, before the burn, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine urged residents in a one-by-two-mile area surrounding East Palestine, which included parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania, to evacuate. Mr. DeWine described the urgency as, quote, a matter of life and death, end quote. Uh, three days later, Mr. DeWine held a news conference announcing that the evacuation order had been lifted. Residents could return to their homes. And, of course, the trains got to keep running. Norfolk Southern trains resumed their routes through East Palestine. And federal and state officials said testing showed that the air and water were safe. Uh-huh. Cleanup work continues almost a year later. In addition, residents are still complaining about a toxic smell in the air, burning eyes, rashes, and headaches, among other health issues. In its statement today, January 31st, the White House said that, quote, under President Biden's leadership, end quote, the Environmental Protection Agency deployed a team of trained emergency response personnel to help local and state emergency and environmental response efforts. The statement notes, quote, the Department of Transportation also arrived on scene within hours to support the National Transportation Safety Board in their independent investigation of the derailment, end quote. Well, that's funny because in case y'all don't remember, uh, Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, uh, he didn't show up until 10 days after it happened. In fact, one day after former President Donald Trump arrived in the village, which Trump did while President Biden was busy returning to the White House from his trip to Poland and Ukraine, where he pledged hundreds of millions of dollars more in aid for the war-tone country instead of offering help for uh, the citizens who just experienced this tragedy. Yeah, so Misty, here we are. Biden's finally going. I wonder if the election year has anything to do with it, but what do you think? <laughs> Right. This couldn't be more obvious. And frankly, it's offensive. It is offensive to me that this guy thinks he can show up a year later during an election year and pander to these people. Um, I hope that he is protested wildly. I hope that he is heckled wildly. I hope 
that he, uh, this is so, listen, I live in Ohio. I'm 180 miles west of East Palestine, Ohio. Um, so these are literally my people. These are my people. And um, it drives me nuts that this guy, it's been almost a year, February 3rd marks a year. And he, we again, we don't have a solidified date sometime in February. That's really the only information that we have, at least as far as I know so far, about when this visit will uh, supposedly take place. Uh, still time for him to back out. I wouldn't be surprised if he backs out because I think that uh, most people from East Palestine, Ohio, recognize the game that's being played here and they're being used as election year fodder. And it's so gross to me that this guy thinks he can show up a year later and uh, uh, pander to these people and glad hand and shake hands and, you know, hug. Please don't let him hug any babies. <laughs> Please don't let him hold any babies. He'll just sniff them. Uh, but it just it's it blows my mind that he thinks that this is a good idea. Frankly, at this point, uh, with this much time having elapsed, he would have been better to just ignore it, to just continue ignoring it, to forget that it ever existed, because now what's going to happen? He's brought it back up. And it. I think uh, East Palestine, unfortunately, and this is not just this news story. It happened. We see it all the time, right? Something terrible happens. It's in the news for a couple of days, maybe a week, and then something else terrible happens and everybody forgets about the other terrible thing, right? That's just, we have a very small attention span. So East Palestine was in the news for a little while. Um, it was in independent media for a little while longer, but generally speaking, it has disappeared from most headlines, from many headlines. Every once in a while, you'll get an update story from somebody somewhere, a local news station or whatever about whatever shenanigans Norfolk, Norfolk Southern is up to, uh, or however they're screwing over the people of East Palestine at that time or whatever. Um, but generally it has disappeared. And what this is doing now is bringing it back up. It is reminding people about the situation. And then they're also going to hear about and remember, oh yeah, he's never been there. He's never bothered to visit. It's been a year. Why didn't he visit in an entire year? How many vacation days has he taken in the past year? I'm just curious because I remember, and listen, again, I hate that I have to preface this with a qualifier, but I'm no Trump fan, but I remember when everybody was freaking out because Donald Trump went golfing all the time. Joe Biden's on a beach all the time. Hasn't bothered to visit East Palestine, Ohio. As far as I know, um, he doesn't even really talk about it. To be fair, I don't pay a lot of attention to the things that he says or his speeches or anything like that. He may mention it here and there. I doubt it, though. I, I doubt uh, very much that he has even uh, mentioned it in any significant way since it happened. I know that he has been called out on it. Um, he's really been very vague about uh, the things that are being done. And the people of East Palestine are still getting screwed over. These people are so screwed. I mean, they have to be wary of uh, uh, long-term health implication implications for the rest of their lives. They're going to have to worry, is my kid going to get cancer from whatever this uh, we inhaled or whatever was in our soil or whatever you know it managed to get into our water? Um, they're screwed. And uh, North Folk Southern has been dragging their heels and trying desperately to avoid um, any significant accountability. Obviously, they've done some of the cleanup and things like that. But even there, they're just transferring a lot of that uh, contaminated hazardous material to other poor locations. I know that we, I think we talked to you and I talked about it, where they were transferring some of the contaminated soil to other locations uh, in Appalachia and just burying it. So then other uh, uh, populations now have to be concerned about whether or not that's going to impact their communities. It's just gross to me. But I mean, I'm ranting. What do you think, Adam? Well, it's, it's kind of um, maybe we can tell a little bit more about how dangerous the situation is still there. Maybe this is a good sign that now it's finally cleared up a year later. It's safe enough for the president to show up. Then again, if some little kid that he tries to lean over and sniff tugs on it and it turns out to be just a rubber mask on some random dude, then we're, <laughs> we, we need to still be concerned and keep our uh, the, the, the residents of East Palestine in our prayers, which we need to do anyway. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, the mayor, uh, by the way, Trent Conway, who was actually, he made news headlines 
last year when this happened because he was slamming, absolutely slamming the president over the fact that he was traveling around begging, you know, giving money to Zelensky instead of, you know, helping people here uh, in this community or anywhere in America, really. Yeah. Um, so he the Fox News reached out to him uh, after this this statement and he came back on. He was slamming Biden some more. He said this is a good. What's his name again? Conway. Mayor Trent Conway. Uh, so he told Fox News, I think, in a statement that, quote, in my personal opinion, the best time for him, meaning Biden, to come would be February of 2025 when he is on his book tour, end quote. <laughs> so uh, but he did say that, quote, the president is always welcome to our town. That being said, I don't know what he would do here now, end quote, i.e. too little, too late, Biden. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. I wonder if he'll uh, have the audacity to take a sip of water like Biden did in Flint or Obama did in Flint. Um, uh, that'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm pumped. We'll keep an eye on this because it, it's supposed to be taking place next month. So I'm going to try to figure out what date that's going to be. I may even try to go to East Palestine uh, when he's there and see if I can uh, uh, get some video or whatever. So, uh, but thanks for bringing us this story, Adam. Appreciate you as always. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hang tight. We're going to be back with Savvy Sabs right after this here on today's News Talk. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was, was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted, the example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk, news and information, TNT radio. All right. I'm very excited. Our guest today is Sabrina Salvati. She's also known as Sabi Sabs. Uh, Sabi is a co-founding member of Revolutionary Blackout Network. Obviously, we just had Nick on on Monday. Um, and she's also the host of the Sabi Sabs podcast, which you can find across various platforms. Uh, you can also find her on Twitter at Sabi Sabs 2, the number two, Sabi Sabs, the number two. Um, and you can find RBN on all the platforms as well, including YouTube, Rockfin, Rumble. Try to stay away from YouTube, though. Man, it's awful. Okay. Uh, Sabi, thanks for being here, my friend. Hi, Misty. How's it going? 
pretty good. It's good. It's been a long time since you've been on. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, and there is <laughs> a ridiculous amount of information to talk about, my friend. So, OK, listen, uh, Biden is currently um, uh, it's an election year and he is currently aiding, arming and funding a genocide. I'm sure that's going to be fine for him during 2024. Right. A lot of people are rising up against that. I actually just saw an announcement earlier today that the city of Chicago just called for a ceasefire. And that's really interesting considering that the DNC convention is going to be in Chicago. So I'll be tuning into that to see how that goes. But I, I just think that, uh, you know, I think people like you and myself, we audit obviously had our concerns about Joe Biden's presidency before October 7th, uh, the moment that he won uh, the nomination. But I just think that Joe Biden's presidency is really taking us down a dangerous path in reference to foreign policy. I'm very concerned about all these wars. I mean, think about it. In one term, we have the, the war in Ukraine. We have the war in Gaza. We have the war in Yemen because the U.S. is also attacking Yemen. And now Joe Biden is saying that he's figuring out steps to fight back against Iran. This is very dangerous. This is very dangerous. But this is who Joe Biden is. And some people who are surprised now, I don't understand why they're surprised. He always was a warmonger, even when he was a senator. Uh, I don't remember him voting against any wars. This is who he is. And this is what people tried to warn the American people about a Joe Biden presidency. But here we are. Yeah. Yes. And what I find the most frustrating about that is that we were gaslit about how dangerous Donald Trump is, that he's going to Donald Trump's going to get us into World War Three. I mean, look around, y'all. Joe Biden's done that. Joe Biden is everything that he Caitlin Johnson is a great piece. I think it's from a few weeks ago where she talks about that. Joe Biden is literally everything that they tried to fear monger uh, us about that Trump was going to be. And not that's not again, not saying that Trump is good. Trump sucks. Trump is awful. Trump is also corrupt. Trump also does not care about you. Um, but the gaslighting that took place previous uh, prior to the election about how he was this existential evil and we have to fight for warmonger Zionist Joe Biden in order to stop Donald Trump or, you know, democracy was going to end. Democracy is on the ballot, Savvy. We all know that, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's just, it's so mind-blowing to me. But I think honestly, um, we're starting to see that veil drop. I think a lot of people are starting to see through that game. What do you think about that? Do you think people are starting to recognize that um, none of these people, they, uh, they're all owned and operated by the same people, that it is kind of a sham? I think, I really do feel like a lot of people are starting to uh, connect those dots. Right. The war in Gaza basically pulled the cover off, so to speak, yeah. right? Because now you have a Democrat president actively funding and, and supporting a genocide in Gaza, ignoring the thousands of people out in the streets and the protests. They actually started the week of October 7th, but they haven't stopped. People are continuing to pro protest. I've covered some of these protests on the ground, uh, but it's been happening all across the world. People are rising up and saying no to this. Now, there is this issue with Israel, which some of us have been talking about the issue with Israel and the Palestinians for a long time before October 7th happened. Abby Martin created a documentary about this. Dan Cohen and Max Blumenthal created a documentary. Max Blumenthal actually wrote a book about what was happening in Gaza. But it wasn't until this, this war started in October 7th where more people were, I guess, woken up by this. The number of people that I've spoken to, they said they had no idea that Palestinians yeah. were living under some type of occupation. So it just goes to show you how heavily propagandized a lot of Americans are. And I think now more people are waking up and 
particularly the younger generations. We're talking about the Gen Z generation. Even some of the millennials too are seeking out other news sources because they are seeing the bias in mainstream media, how they've been reporting about this issue and that they're leaving out fundamental uh, issues that have happened to the Palestinian people. Obviously, we know this didn't start on October 7th. This goes back to 1948. What Israel has done to the Palestinian people is ridiculous. And we know that if it were the other way around, if it was an, an Arab country that was doing this to Israel, obviously the U.S. politicians would heavily push back. So there's been a lot of pressure from people on the outside, in the streets, and that is why you're seeing them start to say, okay, we need to talk about this. Netanyahu, you may need to scale back a little bit, do everything that you can to try to protect uh, the civilians in, in Gaza. But had it not been for those mass protests, I don't think that would have happened either. No, 100% not. And you're absolutely right that uh, I think that um, in particular, the younger generations, but you're right, there are some older folks too, uh, who I think are um, starting to seek outside information. And I think frankly, uh, to me, and I've been I've said this, I'm sorry for uh, sounding like a broken record to anybody who listens to me regularly. But in my opinion, I really think that social media this time around, because this is not the first flare up we've seen where Israel has uh, opened up a can of brutalization on the Palestinian people. This happens every now and again, 2014, 2008, we've seen it happen time and time again. Um, so so uh, I think that what's different now is that we have such instant access through social media to information and we have incredibly courageous journalists on the ground who are showing us what's happening in real time. And not only just that, I think that the numerous and ridiculous lies that Israel has told, uh, people have been able to debunk them in real time when, when they make these claims about 40 beheaded babies or tunnels under hospitals or whatever, people are able to instantaneously uh, dig into that, debunk it. And it, I mean, within an hour, there's... Uh, you know, a, a social media post up where people can see uh, and be exposed to the reality and the truth of the situation. And I think that you're right. I think, listen, I Israel-Palestine has been an issue that I've been incredibly passionate about for a very long time. It's one of the first issues that really caught my attention when I first started getting interested in politics. Um, and I've been talking about this for a very, very long time. But I think that because what you just said, it's not just the propaganda. I think it's also the, um, uh, the lack of information, the way that mainstream media hides what's actually happening on the ground there here in the West. I think that that has been um, uh, really damaging to the way people view that. I hate calling it a conflict because it's not really a conflict that it implies that there's two equal sides. But um, uh, I think a lot of people are that's starting to be stripped away. And I've seen numerous TikToks and uh, Twitter posts and YouTube videos where people have said, listen, I got this all wrong. Like I used to be a Zionist. I used to I really believed I bought into this stuff. And now uh, they're starting to see it and it's starting to be stripped away. So I think that's really I don't know that that's enough to save Palestine. Unfortunately, um, uh, it seems as if Israel has no intention whatsoever of slowing down on the uh, destruction. But um, it is uh, it gives me a little glimmer of hope that we're starting to see some people strip away, strip themselves away from the lies and the propaganda. So listen, we got to take a quick break and get headlines. Hang tight. We'll be back here on TNT. Newsflash! Now, let's go! TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Francis' newly appointed Prime Minister Gabriel Attal addressed the demands of discontented farmers with a series of supportive measures in an effort to mitigate a widespread protest movement. During a meeting in California in November, U.S. President Joe Biden reportedly requested Chinese leader Xi Jinping to refrain from interfering in the 2024 U.S. presidential election. The Bundesbank, Germany's central bank, reported a significant increase in counterfeit euro banknotes discovered within the country in 2023. 
Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. All right, we are here with Sabrina Salvati, also known as Sabi Sabs. Check out her show, Sabi Sabs. Uh, you can find it on all of the uh, platforms, YouTube, Rockfin, Rumble, all the stuff. Um, uh, but YouTube is really terrible. Let's just be real. Um, okay, so uh, 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 obviously I want to continue talking about Palestine, but I mean, we, we mentioned briefly there Ukraine. I wanted to get your opinion on the Ukraine situation because I think what has been interesting in recent months um, is watching the way mainstream media is trying to kind of casually walk it back kind of casually make their distance. Um, frankly, it's disgusting the way that they uh, lied us into this situation, the way that they, um, you know, propagandized people for as long as they did. And now they're just kind of trying to make it disappear. They're trying to memory hold this situation. And obviously the, the Biden administration is still trying to, uh, you know, dig up some funding uh, for Ukraine. I think uh, he currently is asking for another $60 billion for Ukraine. Obviously, it's an unwinnable situation. What do you make of the Ukraine situation? Where do you see that going in 2020? 24. You know, I think this war was a lost cause from the very beginning. I think uh, there were many <laughs> of us that said there's no way that Ukraine is going to be able to beat Russia. Uh, so we were very vocal about that. And people called us Putin puppets and they said we were being paid by Russia. This is really ridiculous. Uh, but but now we see what's happening. Right. We see that Ukraine cannot win. And there have been a number of news outlets that have verified this as well. Uh, there have been sources close to Zelensky that said he seems to be the only one who thinks that they can beat Russia. But even people close to him saying, listen, this is over. Uh, this is not going to happen. Meanwhile, Zelensky was at the World Economic forum asking for more money. This is done. And honestly, I would think that the Biden administration would have issued some type of statement by now and admit to the American people, listen, I don't think this is going to uh, be a win for Ukraine. I mean, how else can they sit up here and continue to defend sending billions of dollars to Ukraine at this point when we know that this is a lost cause? All this money, federal dollars, federal dollars going to another country instead of taking that money and spending it to improve this country. And I think that's the thing that's upset a lot of people. There are a lot of working class people sitting there and they're looking back and they're like, the government said that they can't give everybody health care because they said it's too expensive. They can't afford it, but they can give billions of dollars to another country. And it's not just Ukraine. We have to look at the fact that the U.S. government gives Israel $3.8 billion a year. Now, if you look at the country of Israel, you will see that the people there, everybody has health care. They have free public college. But when we brought up those those possibilities for this country, we were told, no, 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 that's socialism. That's too radical, too far left. But we can send money to another country so that they can have those things. Everybody really needs to wake up here. The money yeah. has always been there. You cut that defense budget and you can fix a lot of these problems that we have in this country. 100%. Yes. Yes. And it's so um, it's so frustrating to me that people cannot see the absolute ridiculousness of any time um, uh, there's a conversation that's being had about potentially using uh, money to help the people in this country immediately clutching their pearls. <gasps> how are we going to pay for that? Oh, my. How are we going to take care of our veterans? How are we going to house people? How are we going to give people health care? Oh, my God. How are we going to pay for that? But if you want to blow people up for profit, there is there are zero questions asked. There are zero questions asked. It's already out the door before they can even make the request that money's already out the door it's 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 like a non-starter they don't even need to they don't even need to have that conversation and it's so mind-blowing to me that the people of this country have been 
it's it's depressing, actually, that uh, I feel like the people of this country have allowed themselves to be beaten down so hard that they're just willing to accept that this is the best that we get. This is this is what we deserve, that we deserve to send spend uh, send billions of our own dollars to other countries um, uh, to, you know, deal with that, give them free health care, give them free college education, give them all of these nice things, pay for their wars, uh, pay to blow people up for profit. That's all well and good. But we can't have anything nice here. And it's just depressing to me that we uh, that we're in that situation where people feel like that's uh, the best that we can do. And they just continue to vote for the same system that has gotten us into this issue. And it's just here we are in 2024, another election year, and we're having, savvy the same conversations we always have. And I'm tired. <laughs> so tired, my friend. What do you think of that? Like, here we are, another election year, um, and it feels as if there's really not been a whole lot of progress made there. I feel you. I think anything short of a general strike at this point in time, you know, we're just going to continue the same path. Now, we actually hosted a general strike summit. You remember you were part of this a couple of years ago over at uh, RBN, and we received a lot of backlash. We're even just talking about uh, why we need a general strike. But I think... I hope more people are open to this idea now because look around, your politicians are bought and paid for. You have all these politicians in D.C. that are in cahoots with the Israeli lobby, the military industrial complex. This is why we can't have nice things. They are bought, they're corporate, they're owned. We need to remove corporate money from electoral politics. There are countries in the world that actually have public financing of their elections. We could have the same thing, but the corporations, they control so much, the billionaires, they control uh, so much. So I believe at this point in time, anything short of a general strike is just really not going to get us all the way there. We may get some small uh, wins, but I don't think we're going to get these large, huge wins unless we shut down capital. And this is something I think that Professor Richard Wolf understands as well. We really need to talk about giving workers ownership, right? So a lot of us, we work for a, a company, but we don't own a piece of the company. So whenever they want to let us go, we just leave with, with nothing. Some people may get a severance, et cetera. That's why a lot of workers are starting to rise up and more of them are going on strike. But at the end of the day, if we want real fundamental change in this country, we need a general strike. We have to shut down capital and that will actually disrupt things. And there's different ways that you can do that. You can do that by shutting down the ports on the West Coast. That's the supply chain. You can do that by if the railroad workers would have been able to actually go on strike, that would have shut down the supply chain. The truckers go on strike, that will shut down the supply chain. If you do not disrupt capital, the billionaires will continue to win. So it's not necessarily about vote for this person and this person is going to save you and be a hero. Nobody is coming to save you. I want to be very clear about that. No one person is going to be your Superman going into office that is going to save you. We have to save ourselves and we have to save people within our community. We do that at our, our over at RBN by mutual aid and organizing. And we've seen that actually make fundamental change in people's lives. But if you're sitting around thinking that one politician that you vote for is going to be your hero, you're just going to be disappointed again. Yes. And man, how many times do you have to get smacked in the face with that reality before it really sinks in? It is Oh, and I get that everybody's on their own journey and I try to be patient with people because 
Um, I, I realize that it's a difficult concept to wrap your head around that, you know, nobody's going to save you. Uh, everything you ever thought you knew is probably a lie. Like all of that's really hard to digest, I think, for the average person. But it's just it, it's the idea that we have, um, you know, people who supported Bernie in 2016. Obviously, you know, I was done with him after that. I, I was <laughs> very early detractor, got a lot of crap for it. Uh, but then people bought into him again in 2020. Then they got screwed over by him then. Uh, then and now they want to jump back into the electoral process again and back another candidate. And it's just it. Listen, it doesn't matter who the candidate is. It doesn't matter what their intentions are. It doesn't matter if they're a good person. Uh, for example, I think Jill Stein's a good person. I think she probably has good intentions, but there's no way there is zero way zero zero chance whatsoever that jill stein is going to be elected president there's zero chance that they're going to allow her to make any significant dent whatsoever because the problem is the system it is not about who oh if we just vote for a few more progressives then we might actually get something what are those progressives done for you i would like to know i'm still waiting because aoc is on tv hyping joe biden as he's uh aiding and funding a genocide so i mean I, i'm sorry i i just i'm, I'm not buying into that we just need to we, we got to vote a few more in they don't care about you they don't work for you. They're not interested in you because one of two things happens if you get elected into office. Either um, you stick true to your principles and they find a way to get you out or you uh, uh, become complicit or you acquiesce to the uh, corruption. That's what happens. They either will get you to bend or they will find a way to get you out. That's the only two options if you are, if you somehow manage as a decent person to get elected into office. Those are the only two options that you have there. Either you stick to your principles and you flip some tables while you're there for the your two or four years your term uh or they you they will just get you to uh, uh be complicit in their corruption that's how it works so okay we got to take another quick break hang tight we're gonna be back with more from savvy here on today's news talk de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective mark stein was sued by dr michael mann because mark stein accused dr michael mann of being a fraud because of his hockey stick. Now, we can't really tell what is going on with Dr. Mann because he won't let us look at the data that he actually used. We do know that the hockey stick made him famous as they decided to use it as an icon to demonstrate what was going on with global warming. One of the essential ingredients of it, though, was making sure that nobody saw how warm it was during the medieval times. If Dr. Michael Mann were a meteorologist, he would understand that when Western Europe is warm, a lot of the areas that he looks at for his cones, his Briffa cones, are cold, specifically the polar Urals and the Western part of the United States. These are known as teleconnections. Many times when the East in central part of the United States is warm, Europe is warm. You're seeing it right now. The very cold weather broke in Europe, it broke in the United States. Yet it's still very, very cold in areas where those cones are. Now, what would that mean? Well, if we know that when those areas of the world, let's say Western Europe and the eastern and central part of the United States are warm, the global temperature is naturally warm, then it means that if it's naturally colder to the east, you're not going to be able to detect the rise in global temperatures. But you have to be a meteorologist to know about these teleconnections. Obviously is not. Now, does that make him a fraud? I don't know. But <laughs> grow some thick skin, will you? You've done enough damage just by taking the stand you're standing to hurt Mark Stein. He's spent several million dollars on this and it's come out in the trial that Dr. Mann has not spent a penny because he's being bankrolled. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. 
Todd forced swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Report a cyber tip today. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are here joined by my pal Sabrina Salvati, who is a co-founding member of Revolutionary Blackout Network. You guys know I talk about them all the time. They do great work, uh, not just on air. Um, they also actually get in the streets and do stuff, which is uh, not common for political commentators. So um, uh, definitely check out the work that they're doing. Uh, Rome is building a library. Um, they have regular, like Savvy does a lot of regular like uh, cookouts, barbecues, where they hand out um, mutual aid types uh, uh, stuff for people in the community. The, they've got clinics, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, definitely check them out and support the work that they're doing over there. Um, okay. So obviously we talked a little bit about uh, Israel-Palestine, a little bit about the Ukraine situation, but I think really what that speaks to, and you touched on this earlier, is a um, the broader implications here is that um, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden is an unbelievably horrific warmonger. There's no question about it. And I think what's frustrating about that is that you and I knew that people who all you have to do, it's not like he was shy. Dude has a 50 year career in politics of showing people exactly who he is. And now we're seeing that play out. To be fair, I don't think Joe Biden's making very many decisions. Right. I don't think he uh, I think he is just um <laughs> He has soup for brains. I don't think he's doing a whole lot of decision making. So, but I do think that it is um, important to point out the, as you mentioned, we have the situation with Russia and Ukraine, which arguably is winding down, but we're still sending uh, lots of money and asking for lots of money for that. Israel, Gaza, which uh, could very easily and frankly already has um, uh, kind of blown up into a broader regional conflict. We have Taiwan on the back burner. We're bombing Somalia. Um, we've got Venezuela that we want to start stuff with. I mean, we are really engaged. And so what we're still occupying Syria. I mean, there we're engaged in so many, um, uh, uh, I guess, geopolitical conflicts that it is. Do you think because generally speaking, I'm sorry, this is a very long winded setup for the question I'm about to ask you. But generally speaking, foreign policy doesn't play a very big role in uh, the way people observe election years. I think that if you ask most people, it's usually domestic issues that are front of mind. I think this year we're starting to see a shift on that. And there was a poll a couple months ago where they said um, that the the in, the, people, the number of people uh, interested in uh, foreign policy had increased quite significantly. Do you think we're going to see that trend continue as we get closer to the election? Do you think that people are starting to see the way that foreign policy directly impacts domestic policy? Yes, because uh, typically this war in Gaza, obviously, it's kind of hard to ignore the genocide. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to ignore that. So there's that. But also the amount of money that is gone out the door, all yeah. these these multiple conflicts. I think that's the other thing, too. I think if we had maybe just there was one uh, conflict, let's say it was just the war in Ukraine and all of these other uh, events did not happen under the Biden administration. I think some people may may have made the case then. But now it's just one thing after another. We heard Joy Reid on Hot Mike uh, on MSNBC. <laughs> it slipped out where she said another fucking war. Like, yeah, so this 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 is what I'm saying. Like, they know, too. The mainstream media pundits, they know what's happening here. They know this is this is ridiculous. Remember when Joe Biden ran, he said he was running on the soul of this country. What soul? 
Right. So we're just bombing people or we're giving money to a country to bomb other people or there's still coups. Uh, We also cannot forget a country like Haiti. The U.S. is also trying to intervene there again, too. So it's just it's all over. And I think what they don't understand, what they're starting to understand it more so now is that this idea of the, the the neocon and the warmongers being a popular position in the U.S. is no longer a popular position. This is why some people, although I got my criticisms, this is why some people are going more towards the RFK Jr. Now, it's just pretty interesting because he has the exact opposite position when it comes to the Israel war than he did in reference to the Ukraine war. That's a whole other issue. But this is why more people are saying, well, Donald Trump didn't start any new wars. He still mm-hmm. you know, participated in these. He still participated in coups and drone strikes, et cetera, but there were no new wars that were started. This is why people are using that rhetoric. So that's why I believe someone like a Nikki Haley did not perform as well as they wanted her to, the donor class really wanted Nikki Haley. uh, And also some of the Democrats actually wanted Nikki Haley. She didn't perform as well as they thought that she would because you can't stand up today. This is not 2003. This is not 2008. You can't stand up today and say, we got to go after China. We got to go after Iran. We got to go up. That type of rhetoric isn't working anymore. And a lot of Americans are being turned off by warmongering. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad to see it. It's long overdue because this country functions on death and destruction and chaos. And it is so our economy is essentially uh, firmly planted on the idea that we have to be at war. I mean, that's really the reality of it. And it's so depressing to me that that's the situation that we're in. But here we are. Um, But yeah, I think that uh, you touched on something. I think a big part of it is the money that we're seeing go out to all of these different conflicts. And earlier in the show, at the top of the show, we spoke a little bit about the situation in East Palestine, Ohio. Obviously, Joe Biden has finally Finally, Sabi, a year later, he's going to make a trip to East Palestine, Ohio, to see what those people are dealing with. Um, but I, I, at the time, last year, when that uh, when the train derailment took place, um, the mayor and other people who uh, are citizens there were like, wait a minute, we're sending billions of dollars to Zelensky. Uh, billions of dollars, just shoveling money out the door, can't get rid of it fast enough. But you can't take care of the people of East Palestine, Ohio, who are dealing with a catastrophic situation where a train derailed and there are hazardous chemicals that were uh, lit on fire and now we're we're all breathing that you can't like we we, we can't get anything uh same situation with i think lahaina was uh honestly even a big had a bigger impact and i think maybe it's because it had followed east palestine we had already seen a situation like that i think east palestine it was easy for people to look at that and be like oh gosh but then it kind of fell out of the headlines but then when lahaina happened and we we're still 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 shoveling billions of dollars to Zelensky in ukraine um and then they offered that 700 dollars per household, not even per person, Savvy, per household to people whose entire town was just leveled by a fire. And I think that people are angry, rightfully so. I think a lot of people now see um, uh, that they do not care about you. They do not. Um, you know, and that's when the Ukraine situation happened and everybody was like, oh, well, we have to go and save Ukraine. We have to bring democracy. Do you really think we care about the people of Ukraine? We do not care about Americans. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no way that we care about the people of Ukraine. But I do think that um, how significant do you think that this that foreign policy will play? Uh, how significant of a role do you think uh, foreign policy will play in 2024? Because as I said earlier, generally speaking, it's not a big uh, needle mover. I think most people are, are uh, almost uh, exclusively focused on domestic policies, which I understand. I just wish people were able to see how those two things uh, connect. Um, but I think that this year we're going to see it's going to be different. I think it is going to be significantly different. What do you think? 
I think so, too. Um, and not just from younger voters. I'm hearing it from older voters. I'm hearing it across political ideologies, by the way, not just from Democrats, Republicans yeah. or independents all across the board. Uh, it's the reason why, like I said, like someone like Nikki Haley is not performing the way that they uh, they thought that she would. Uh, and we have to think about another thing, too. You know, hopefully this pushes more Americans to start asking the question to their political you know, leaders to their representatives in Congress, where are you getting your funding from? Yes. I noticed that you took this position in reference to Ukraine. I noticed you took this position in reference to Israel. It seems like you seem to be supporting uh, these wars. Who are you funded by? Where are you getting your money from? We got Nancy Pelosi out there telling people to go back to China, you know, <laughs> and, and telling people that the protesters that are protesting in support of the Palestinian people are being paid by Russia. And this is Putin's message. You know, the typical playbook that they've been using for years is just not working anymore the way that it used to, because people see what is happening. And on top of that, you have inflation. There was a recent report that came out that said 2023 actually had an increase in layoffs by 98%. So mm. all of these things combined, and we see you're sending billions of dollars out the door to another country, more people are starting to object to that. I think the race between Biden and Trump in the general election, I still think it's going to be uh, particularly close. But I think if things continue the way that they will, I think that Donald Trump could win. And how embarrassing would that be for the oh Democratic Party? <laughs> how embarrassing is it period that they're struggling right now against a guy who's under multiple indictments and not that uh, you know any of that would matter uh, donald trump said i could shoot somebody in middle fifth avenue and i wouldn't lose a single voter and he's absolutely right maga is unbelievably loyal i don't understand why he doesn't care about you guys he really he really does not um uh so that's very mind-blowing to me but yeah uh i don't I, the idea that they're struggling as hard as they are and I, frankly i i'll say it again i don't think that biden's going to be the eventual nominee i think they're going to try to pull them last minute and try to insert Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or maybe even Michelle Obama. I think they're going to try to get rid of Kamala Harris. There's been um, uh, some rumblings about that for some time. We'll see. I'm, I'm open to being wrong there, but I think that that's definitely a possibility. So, okay. I want to talk, um, I want to shift gears a little bit because uh, as we're closing out the hour here, I want to make sure that we talk a, a little bit about what our, our RBN has been doing. Um, uh, Nick was just on on Monday. We talked about it a little bit, but I like to always um, uh, hype what you guys are doing because as I said, this is not like they do political commentary they have shows they 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 do all of that stuff but it's not just that they do a lot of on the ground work they do a lot of uh fundraising and mutual aid as i mentioned rome's building a library um they do a lot of stuff in their communities and i think that that's just rare um i think as myself as an activist who stumbled into independent media um it, i'm surprised that there aren't more people in independent media who actually go out and do things but um uh, it is just kind of rare so uh first of all tell us a little bit about what rbn is in general uh, and then we can dive into some more of the specifics. Right. So RBN, uh, we were actually a group of activists before we were a network, before we were on YouTube. Um, so we were activists first in our own communities. A uh, couple of members actually uh, campaigned for Bernie Sanders. So they were a part of the Bernie campaign. They were on the ground knocking on doors, that kind of thing. Uh, I think for myself in particular, I mean, I started volunteering when I was in high school. So it was kind of something that was just ingrained in me that you help out. 
uh, people in the community. And then, you know, all of us decided to form together to form a, a network and ba basically bring our activism online and also explain to people, you know, why we haven't received any type of progress in reference to the political system in this country. So we were able to give a little bit of a different perspective, more so of a working class perspective and an activist perspective, because we were the ones that were actually on the ground. So we could tell people about what we're hearing from people um, and what has been said and, and how people are just feeling uh, in general. But we decided to start RBN chapters in our respective locations. So there's five RBN chapters where we all do mutual aid. So I have the Boston chapter um, and we've been able to do a lot of things. Actually, we launched that last year and we've been able to help a lot of people. We've done a back to school uh, event to give people school supplies for their kids. Um, I've actually did a, a community outreach barbecue. Uh, also in the Boston group, we also did a food and clothing drive where a lot of people donated food and, and clothing that we gave out to people in the community. And there's a lot more things that we have planned coming up for this year as well. As you said, Rome is building a library, which is no easy task. And no. a lot of the construction... <laughs> Rome and his friends are doing their self uh, also to save money uh, that way. He's also preparing to go to Flint, Michigan, go back to Flint to deliver water to people in Flint. Remember, this is still an issue uh, in Flint, Michigan. He also went to Jackson, Mississippi to do the same thing. CJ has actually been feeding people on a skid row. And giving them clothes and toiletries as well. And Nick has donated, Nick's in Kansas City. So Nick has been a part of the community helping people uh, donate school supplies because school supplies are getting expensive, apparently. Yes. I didn't realize this because I don't have kids, but um, they are, are getting <laughs> yeah. more expensive over the years. Uh, yeah. And he's been doing that. He also has spoken to KC Tenants, which is a respected organization in Kansas City where they help out uh, tenants fight back against landlords and, and some of these uh, evictions and things like that. So I think that we have. JB in Orlando, JB also, I, I think right now they're trying to fundraise to give uh, grocery store gift cards uh, to people in the community so they can get food from the grocery stores. Uh, just, just a lot of things that have happened. We've given out diapers. We've given, like, these things are expensive, especially if you're working class. And I think, uh, you know, my eye has been open to a lot of things. And I think a lot of us that don't have kids, we just don't realize how expensive just everyday essentials are for parents uh, to take care of their children. So I remember when we were trying to get like the diaper run, I was thinking to myself, like, I had no idea that diapers yeah. were this expensive. <laughs> so it's yeah. things like that. Yeah. When I ran uh, for about five years, I ran a local community group here. And one of the, I would say the top two things that I got asked for was diapers and formula. No question about it, because both are incredibly expensive, um, ridiculously so. And so uh, that was probably two of the biggest asks that I got um, uh, in general. And that's just not just uh, I'm not just including from parents. I mean, from the general community was diapers uh, and formula just because there were so many people in need of it. So that's why I love RBN, because I have a, like, well, I think we're very similar in that way. I was an activist first and I they're only only reason I got into independent media was to give my activism a platform, <laughs> you know what I mean, so that I could hype my events and stuff like that. So I think that's why uh, uh, I love RBN as much as I do is because we're, we have a very similar uh, thought process there. And RBN does great work. I mean, Sabi just listed, that's just some of the things that they've done uh, over uh, the course of their existence. They've done numerous things. Rome has done Tour for the Poor, where he's gone to different uh, underprivileged communities uh, across the country and done food drives or clothing drives or diaper drives or whatever. And uh, they're all 
always uh, doing stuff out in the community, which I think we just need so much more of that. It's so easy to get um, sucked into your little isolation bubble and focus on yourself and yourself only. But it really, if you just do like one kind thing for your neighbor, hey, it's uh, winter. Go out and shovel somebody's sidewalk at your your elderly neighbor across the street. Yes. Uh, go 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 shovel their sidewalk. I mean, it's just those little things. Um, I think that we're we're losing touch with. I think COVID uh, was a huge part of that. It isolated us. It made us very um, uh, individualized. And I wish we would get back to a more community-based uh, society where we're really looking out for each other and taking care of each other. So I really appreciate the work that RBN does trying to bring that back and really lead on that issue. So, um, all right, Sabi, unfortunately we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, I love you. I appreciate all the work that you do. Everybody, please check out Sabi's show, uh, Sabi Sabs podcast. You can find it on all the platforms. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Sabi Sabs and then the number two. Of course, you can find links for all of her stuff over on my Substack. Uh, uh, every day, every guest, there's always a write-up uh, so you can find all of that stuff easier. So, um, all right, y'all, I'll be back tomorrow with David D'Amato. We're going to talk about Julian Assange. And as Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now. Don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays right after this here on today's News Talk.